Hi, I'm Charles Feltman. And my name is Ela Edgar. And we're here for Trust on Purpose, a podcast to unpack and take a deep look at how all of us can build stronger trust with each other, maintain the trust we have, and when necessary, repair trust between us so that we work better together, we play better together, we are simply more aligned with each other. Today, we want to take a look at a topic that people don't often think about with regard to trust, but turns out is really pretty important. In fact, Stephen Covey in his The Speed of Trust says, all trust starts with this, self-trust. How do we trust ourselves? To what extent, in what ways are we failing to trust ourselves? A whole bunch of questions that we have here. And in fact, what we are going to do, rather than just throw out a bunch of questions, is break it down using the framework that we use, which is to look at the four assessment domains of trust, care, sincerity, reliability, and competence. And today we're going to start with care and take a look at what self-trust looks and sounds like in that domain. What comes up for you, Ela? Because we were talking before we started this recording and you were going, whoa, this may be an interesting one. So you want to just start with what's coming up for you in the domain of care and self-trust. Well, as our conversation before the recording started, I was already feeling like, oh, this is going to be a juicy one. Oh my gosh. And reading some of the notes that you shared with me, I don't know, and this is full disclosure, full transparency right now, there are questions here that I don't know that I know how to answer and that I've never sat with. And so in this unpacking today, I think this is going to be really interesting, not just for you and I to unpack. I'm already having ahas in my brain, and I'm pretty sure that our lovely, amazing listeners are also going to have some things to chew on. I don't think we often pause to assess or sit with or consider what our relationship is with self-trust. So I'm a little antsy and a little scared at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And when we think about the definition that we use or the way we describe trust in the domain of care, it's really about, do you have my interests in mind as well as your own when you make decisions and act? So why don't we start with one of the questions that we've been noodling here, which is, to what extent and in what circumstances do I put others' interests ahead of mine to the point where my interests disappear? And then how does this affect the relationships I have with those people and maybe others? I'm really glad in this moment that people can't see us because I'm very sure that my facial responses right now are like... <laughs> They're priceless, actually. <laughs> Even seeing myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, Ela, just calm down. Do you know what? As soon as you read that, there are very few times that I put my own interests above others. I absolutely have a strong value of generosity, and my generosity often extends to everyone else before it extends to me. Tapping back into some of the stories about my mom, she is probably the most generous person and who modeled generosity and service to others. Now, she, I think, had a tricky between service versus sacrifice, and her service would 
often put her needs financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically in precarious positions. I thought I had learned that lesson, but as we're sitting here talking, I don't think that I fully have. I often put everyone else's interests ahead of mine. And as we go through and unpack the other domains, we'll see how that actually impacts self-trust and trust with others. Yeah. And it's interesting as I listen to you say this, I recognize that maybe for the first 30, maybe even 40 years of my life, I tended to put my interests well ahead of everybody else's. I mean, I was kind of self-involved, self-interested. I mean, not everybody. Obviously, I raised kids and you can't raise kids well, and I think I did it well because they've turned out pretty well, without putting their interests often at least on par with, if not ahead of your own. At least that's my assessment and my experience. <laughs> Other people's interests often, except for maybe a few close friends, I tended to put my interests ahead of theirs. And then being around my 40s, that began to shift for me, that I began to realize that not the reverse, putting other people's interests consistently ahead of mine, but being more available for other people's interests and more connected because what it did, in fact, was connect me with other people. Suddenly I was going, oh, well, what is that person's interest? What's important to that person and how can I serve them in that way? And that changed a lot of how I related to other people. On the one hand, I'm comfortable saying, yeah, I spent all this life thinking about me first, predominantly. At the same time, my assessment is that I've shifted that. And so sometimes, yes, we need to, I think, put our own interests a little bit ahead of others. Kind of the idea of putting your air mask on first before you help the person sitting next to you who might not be as able. We have to have the energy, the resources, and so on to be able to help that other person. And if our well's running dry, we can't. And at the same time, for me, it's been a journey of learning to connect with other people and really understand what their concerns and interests are so that I can support their interests. This is a tiny segue. It's funny that you use the oxygen mask analogy here. I worked for WestJet. People that are Canadian will know who that airline is. Maybe you guys not so much. But in my time there, I got to go to a transportation safety facility in Oklahoma. And I sat in an oxygen deprivation chamber. So they have you sit in there. They give you a clipboard that tells you a number of questions. You look at the questions and think, oh my gosh, this is so easy. You have to sign your name. There's a very simple math question and then another question that we had to answer. He said, we're going to close the door and we're going to start to decrease the oxygen. And when we tell you, we want you to answer the questions. And when we tell you to take a breath and take that first suck of oxygen, look at your clipboard and tell us what you see. Again, we're thinking this is so easy. I don't know what the big deal is until, and I'm actually doing this, we take that... Big suck of oxygen and you look down at your clipboard and you realize how completely out of it you were. Mm -hmm. My signature line went, you know, up the page. <laughs> I didn't answer the math question and I don't even remember what the third one was. So I think, you know, as it relates back to self-trust, 
we're often operating in transparency, right? It's not even clear to us. And so this is an invitation to take that big suck of oxygen and start to look at things that we haven't looked at before, but also from a place of care, compassion, and curiosity. Yeah. So taking that from your perspective, growing up as the person who pretty much automatically put other people's needs ahead of yours. In other words, you were helping everybody else in the plane put their mask on until you fell over dead. So often I hear that from my clients. And interestingly, I'm going to inject this in here, but particularly women. Yeah. I think to a great extent, women are raised, socialized to put other people's interests first. Men tend to be, and I'm not using this as an excuse for the first 35, 40 years of my life, but men tend to be socialized to put our interests first. And I think what we're thinking about here, what we're aiming at really is in terms of self-trust and care, how can I trust that I am putting interests in general on par? How can I trust that I'm taking care of myself to the extent that I also can take care of others? Or in a way, what are my values around taking care of others? I was holding my breath again. And actually, this is hitting me really big right now. And that I don't know that I know how to do that. Whew, okay, I have to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Here's another question in the domain of care. And when we talk about trusting someone else in the domain of care, we're asking ourselves, to what extent do they treat me with compassion, with empathy? Do they give me the benefit of the doubt when it's appropriate? Turning that around, do I treat myself with compassion? Or if not, where might I be failing to do this? In my brain, I think that I do. I know that in my body, I don't feel that. It makes logical sense. Of course, I'm going to be compassionate with myself. Of course. And then there's a bit of, well, Ela, look what you do for a living. And then there's the reality. And when I sit with how does my body feel about how I treat myself with compassion, I know that I often abort. So I'm like, it's okay. It's fine. We're going to figure it out. I love Glenn Doyle's Everything's Figure Outable. It's going to be fine. I know that in my brain, but I often don't feel that in my being. And that's where sometimes it's a slippery slope for me. So if I can catch it, connect with my breath, exhale, put my feet on the ground, feel the carpet, go outside, pet the dog for a minute, I can settle that down. But it also can be sometimes where the itty bitty shitty committee gets turned up to a really high volume and I can be really, really hard on myself. Positive Intelligence has a really great free assessment on their website about your saboteurs. And mine are restlessness and stickler. Okay. <laughs> so the combination, of course, of course. <laughs> and so when I'm having trouble being compassionate for myself, those are the voices. You don't have time to sit and be compassionate. Go get some stuff done. Or the stickler is telling me all the things that I didn't get right. Yeah, which is not terribly compassionate. Not terribly compassionate. Yeah. And you'd think in terms of, again, trust building, if we're thinking about someone else, 
and we want to build trust with them. And all we do is tell them about the things they got wrong, places where they messed up, the places where they weren't helping other people and helping them achieve what they need to achieve. We'd be going, oh, you're not building trust there in the domain of care anyway. And yet, yeah, here we tend to <laughs> hold that mirror up close. <laughs> oh, that mirror, it's right in front of me. And I'm like, no, squirrel over here. There's something shiny over there I need to attend to. Yeah. Because it's really hard for me to sit with. Can I be more kind and compassionate to myself? And what would happen if I dialed up the balance between others' interests and mine and had it more in balance more often? What would that change for me? For me, sort of the opposite was, what if I actually dial back the self-interest and dial up interest and care and concern for others? And when I kind of checked in at that point in my life and realized that that was a choice that I had, that was a huge aha for me at that point, that I could actually choose to do that somewhat consciously, which meant for me, it was, okay, I can trust myself to do that and be okay. So turning it around for you, can you trust yourself to dial up your own interests and be okay? Again, it's a good thing that people can't see us because I just <laughs> had a visceral reaction to that. Mm. Like it is just so uncomfortable for me to even think about that. As much as I hear you logically, I totally get it. But my body is still a beginner and I need to develop some skills on how to do that. And what immediately comes up for me as a coach and a coach especially who often works with my client's body. So the question I would ask you, of course, is, and you just answered, is do you have the body to do that? And <laughs> yes, it is probably good that people can't see us right now. And that's a really powerful area to take a look or domain to take a look is, do we have the body to do what you're asking? Or in my case, did I have the body to actually reach out and connect and listen for other people's interests what needed to shift in how my body listened, how emotionally I was connected with other people, which was another piece for me in trusting myself to be able to do that, to be able to listen for other people's interests and trust that I could serve them, really truly serve them, which of course is part of being coach, right? There's one other question here, which I think is when I talk to clients often early in a coaching engagement, it sounds like I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable and intimate with me as we work together. But really, I'm doing that in service to you being vulnerable and intimate with yourself, which in many ways is part of care. It's really not too ridiculous. It's obviously in a work domain. There's a certain level of vulnerability, intimacy you don't necessarily go to. But where is that line? And can I trust myself to, A, stay on the right side of that line, but move up to it? So in terms of self-trust, can I be vulnerable and intimate with myself to the point where I can really look at the stuff that I need to change, that I need to work on, that I need to confront? in order to be the kind of person I want to be, 
just like my clients are saying, I want to be this kind of person that can do these kinds of things. I'm not. So part of that journey is to become intimate and vulnerable to oneself so that we can become aware of those things in the first place so they can begin to change. How can I trust myself to become aware of my own blind spots, my own shadow material for that matter? Mm -hmm. So for me, this is another big piece of self-trust in the domain of care. I started to do that work around vulnerability and intimacy with self. A number of years ago, we tapped out of our lives, pulled our kid out of school and traveled the world for a year. An amazing experience. Unless you're really good at staying busy. And the story that I made up that made me stay busy was what if I sit still long enough to be with myself and what happens there that I decide I don't like who I am. And that was how I started this year of travel. And when you're traveling around like that, it's not tourist attractions and fun and busy days. There was lots and lots of times where we were still where we had time for pause and reflection and chilling by the beach or reading a book or sitting and journaling. And so I think that was really a year that opened up that opportunity for me and gave me the sense that it's actually okay to sit like that. It's okay to pause and start to crack open. Who am I? What do I believe in? What do I stand for? What's important to me? And so I'm very grateful for that year. Very, very grateful for that year. And I would also say that it's a continuous unfolding. And thank goodness we have a lifetime to be able to do that. Because I don't think that I could sit with myself for another year. <laughs> that was enough. Okay, pack some of that stuff away. We'll open it another day. Yeah. And that's really the journey that allows us to be deeply ourselves. We can be deeply intimate with ourselves. We begin to see the possibility of who we are truly. And so trusting, yeah, I mean, it sounds like an amazing journey because you, in a way, you didn't go into this thinking, oh, I'm going to trust myself and blah, blah, blah. You just did it. And there you were in it going, oh, wow, I guess I need to be able to trust myself to be here with myself. I think for me, part of that process and the behaviors of building trust with myself in the domain of care have included taking time to be silent with myself, doing silent retreats, doing things where I intentionally took away distractions and had to just be with myself, but also not just sit with myself, but write about or journal or I'm not a big journaler, but I can sit with myself and ask questions and talk through and feel through different things and figure out, oh my, 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 <laughs> oh, that's how I've been showing up all these years. And that's part of what's held me back in certain domains or whatever. So trusting myself that I can, just as you, I can actually do this. I can trust that I can face myself, whoever that is, and it's going to be okay. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to be challenged by something. And I have an opportunity to grow if there's a place to grow in that area. This is a very juicy one. This is a very juicy one. 
as I reflect on that time and space that we had during our travel, I'm so thankful for having that because it also helped me navigate years later, 2020, one of the most difficult times of my life. Hmm. Where diagnosis of breast cancer, chemo, surgery, more chemo. And in that journey, I think that foundation that I had started with around pausing and looking at myself helped me. It's not the, how do I say this? The diagnosis, the treatment, the surgery more, it's your nose down, ass up. You just get through this. You just get through it. But it's after the fact where that further introspection, compassion, and a deeper look at not only what have I been through, but who do I continue to want to be more intentionally? Right? And so there's a lot of stuff that I think I've let go of in the last year because it just doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. And I definitely don't wish for others to go through a serious health situation to get there. But I think so many of us at some point have to hit some sort of mirror that it's right there in your face. Look at it now or I will bring it back for you to look at it another way. And the invitation is, can you just try a little bit? That brings up a couple of things. One, a little while ago, you said, yeah, we could take a look at some of this later on. And that may not actually be so. And you and I both know this through our own journeys with cancer. But there's something else that just occurred to me in terms of putting our interests ahead or other people's interests ahead of whatever. I'll talk about it in my own frame, putting my interests ahead of others at certain points in my life. At the bottom of that, I have to ask myself, whose interests when I look at myself, whose interests am I talking about? Mm -hmm. Who is here that has certain interests, not others? And who is it from the other side who has certain interests? The way I originally framed these questions is highest and best interests, not just interests, but highest and best interests. And to a great extent, I think that's kind of the key. What are my highest and best interests that I am holding? And when I take a look at that, part of that is being part of this human journey, not just me, but all of us together, being an integral part of that and not just the human journey, but all of it around us. And so to what extent can I trust that there's something beyond just this self-constructed self, if you will, that I imagine myself to be? And I know I'm kind of getting out into the esoteric here a little bit. And I think that's, again, part of my own journey has been to connect with that over time. What is the bigger self and trusting myself to that bigger self, even when my smaller self, which includes your itty bitty shitty committee and various other characters, <laughs> internal characters who all tend to clamor for their interests, can I trust myself to something larger, a larger purpose, a larger beingness? That, I think, is for me, to a great extent, the heart of trusting myself in the domain of care or self-trust in the domain of care. What self am I trusting? I love how you just said that. Thank you for that. 
And that was just emerging in the moment. There was no forethought to that to any great extent. It just was triggered by what you were saying. A good friend of mine told me once, imagine that these voices, the committee that's in our head, that they actually all have a role and that there's a voice to listen to. It's not that they're in the driver's seat, but is there something to listen to? And can we thank them for their care and their service and dial down the volume? And by dialing down the volume on these number of characters, juicy and spicy and mischievous and rebelliousness as they are, that we start to create a habit or an ability or a skill to listen deeper and to get out of the transactional busyness of our heads, sometimes our hearts, and actually connect with our soul. Yes. And again, that brings me right back to what are the behaviors when we're talking about building trust with other people? What are the behaviors that others typically tend to assess as behaviors in the trustworthiness in the domain of care? And one of them is listening and really listening. What I talk about is generous listening, where I set aside the judgments and listen to what's there. And so in a way, self-trust in the domain of care is about exactly that being able to really listen deeply to what this bigger self has to say. My body and my emotions, what all of that has to say in the context of what is this bigger self? What am I living in? What's this larger being that I'm here as an expression of? There's a piece of me that still is uncertain about what that might be. I think sometimes I try to make it fit in my head so that I have an image and I have a path and I have clarity. And that's not always what's necessary. Actually, for me, it's often what's not necessary is to be able to trust that if I continue to show up every day from a place of care and compassion for self, for others, if I am intentional about the behaviors that I show up with in relationships, if I live more in integrity of my values and less of the slippery slope that takes me into trouble land, that's what I need to trust. That's what I need to lean into. And that the picture or the end, it's not about that. Yeah. I'm coming back to when I work with clients in the domain of trust and we talk about care and all of that. There's listening and there's also curiosity, the emotion, the mindset of curiosity. And can I trust myself to really be open and curious, not only with myself, but other people? And what does that mean to be open and curious and to set my judgments aside? So as I listen to myself, as I listen to other people, it's a whole different way of connecting and not have to have it figured out ahead of time. When we coach, as you know, I make assessments about what might be going on and I have to, at the same time, hold the space open so that I can ask my client and be proven wrong. And that's fine. It's when I think that I'm right, that I'm not in good territory. So once I start going there, I can't trust myself to coach anymore because I'm no longer caring about my client. I'm caring about what I think and being right. And who doesn't want to be right? Sometimes it feels pretty damn good. It sure does. <laughs> Sometimes it does. Yeah. 
and it's not going to serve my client and ultimately not going to serve me. Yeah. I feel like we might need a part two of this conversation just talking about the domain of care and self-trust. I think there's a lot more here that we just barely scratched the surface. So I, I'd like to have a part two at some point. Yeah. I need to sit with this and unpack some of what came up for me. This was actually probably exactly what I needed today. And an invitation to sit with and be with, how can I dial up that compassion for myself a little bit more? But also be curious about how to put the self-interests and others' interests in a more balanced place more often. Those are my takeaways. What are you taking away from today? In many ways, the same thing. How do I listen deeply to myself and really kind of discern the voices that are coming back to me when I listen to myself, if you will, put it that way. Use discernment to understand or recognize what are really my highest and best interests as opposed to the interests of other voices that might be clamoring for something. So discernment and also that balancing. So you came at it dialing up your own self-support. And when I say self-interest, it's not just selfishness, but what are the things that are important for you to be able to be you, to be able to be you in the world, be able to serve in the world, dialing down that drive to serve other people to the extent that you disappear. And I came at it from dialing up my interest in other people and care and concern for others and dialing down my self-interest that blinded me to what was important, what was concerning other people. So I think that's another thing that I just need to keep focused on that balance. I think what I'd love to do, I hope that will happen out of this is that we have some people contacting us either through LinkedIn or directly emailing charles at insightcoaching.com or directly to you, of course, because you know a lot of people who might be listening and hear what some folks think as they listen to us. We also have another domain of care that we want to focus on here, which is in some ways linked very closely to this, which is the domain of sincerity. So I think that's another conversation that we're going to have as one of our podcasts. So this has been a really powerful session. And I appreciate you being honest and bringing your integrity to this and your care, self-care and care of those who are listening, care for me. It's been a real joy having this conversation with you, as all of these are. But this one, I think, has been in some ways even more vulnerable and intimate. So thank you. I thank you, too. You helped create that space. We did this together. We did this together. Yeah. Well, let's pull this one to an end. Again, I'm Charles Feltman. And I'm Ela Edgar. And you've been with us on Trust on Purpose. If you do have something that you would like us to address in one of our podcasts, please email charles at insightcoaching.com. We would love to hear from you. And we wish you all the best going forward. Take care. Bye-bye.